0: Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Fela, written by Obina Chon. A gifted slave's dramatic bid for freedom from the cotton plantations of the Deep South leads to far-reaching and unintended consequences in this moving tale. Born enslaved in the 18th century, Fela finds no place for his genius, his thoughts, or his humanity, in a time and place that deny him the most basic of rights. Thus, in a desperate act, he makes a bold, dramatic bid for freedom from the cotton plantations of the Deep South. This dramatic short story is set in the days of slavery and interwoven with the fabric of real circumstances of the era to form a harrowing and hopeful tale. The moving account of this unusually gifted and witty slave parallels the history of cotton, considered white gold in the southern states during the 18th and 19th centuries. Poignant, melancholic, and powerful, this fast-moving tale focuses on Fella's determined bid to be free from the shackles of captivity and the insufferable ideologies of slavery. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt, From Fella.
1: Chapter 1 May 1793, Mulberry Grove, Georgia. The southern states were in trouble, deep economic trouble. Tobacco, which had depleted the nutrients in the southern soil and which formed the bane of the southern economies, had glutted the market and was no more in demand. Rice and indigo, which once used to bring in additional income, were profitable no longer. And the price of slaves had dropped precipitously, resulting in a loss by their owners on their investments. Even the slight glimmer of hope raised by the introduction of the cotton mill to Rhode Island from England by Samuel Slater in 1789 was squashed because the machine could not be used on short staple green seed cotton, a variety that could be grown abundantly and easily in the southern states. The alternative was the sea land cotton, long staple cotton, which was suitable for the mill, but unfortunately could only be grown around limited areas near large bodies of water. Moreover, sea land cotton was a difficult crop to cultivate. Several years before these troubling times, on a sprawling estate called Mulberry Grove, situated in the southern state of Georgia, was a black skinned man named Hammersmith Longfellow, a slave. Fella, as he was often called, did not look anything like a slave. He was tall and gaunt-looking, gaunt as if he had been sick his whole life. He walked slowly with a slight stoop in short, quiet strides that belittled his height. He looked like he had never done and would never be able to do a single day's worth of normal hard work, not to mention the extreme physical demands required of a slave. Many would have written him off as a no-good, lazy nobody, but the discerning, on further examination, would have promptly changed their minds. Fella's face revealed a pair of deep-set, bright, twinkling eyes that barely, just barely, contained the sparks of life that raged within. His head was a size too thick for the rest of his body. It was nearly a perfect oval, save for a jutting jawline, prominent chin, and a well-defined forehead. His head, which thousands of miles away in his ancestral land, would have been called Aboiro, good proud head, was held firm and high by a narrow sinewy neck, the only part of his body with any semblance of a used muscle. His demeanor was calm, controlled, and thoughtful, with a slight trace of dry wit that escaped many. When he spoke, which was not often, his voice was borderline quiet and measured, but strong, confident, and rich with tones and flavors that soothed the ear, warmed the heart, and beckoned the mind. The most discerning would have further sensed a complex blend of strength, intelligence, humor, and determination in fella that seemed to make up for his physical appearance. When questioned about his unusual name, as he often was, his dark round face would break up in a wide grin. Well, first of all, I belongs to Massa Hammersmith. And then when I was little, Massa Longfellow bought me and my family. And so folks began to call me Hammersmith Longfellow. Now that was a mighty long name for most of them niggas to say, especially the youngins. So my folks just settled on calling me fellow. But Massa Overseer would have none of that and said he would take a raw whip into anybody who called me Fellow. Cause he said him no not want no nigga working for him being called no fancy name like Fellow. So folks just settled on calling me Fella.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Fella. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.